Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Interesting market trade. You know, we saw some positives happening in the overnight trade. Unfortunately, it did not last long as the market turned itself to the negative and pretty much traded that way the rest of the day. Though we did see a turnaround happening in the wheat complex. Cattle took it hard as the hogs said, hey, we're going to have uh, some definite higher numbers on the trade action. We're going to take a look at what's all the factors weighing in today as PJ Conrad joins us. He is with Trade Awesome. I think we've got to start out with the fact that there's still the continued talk about what's going on in the Black Sea region and the pressure that everything that's happening between Russia and Ukraine is going to put on the global marketplace. You know, it's interesting. We've been fighting this, uh, let's say, battle or so for the last, what, 18 months? <clears throat> and I think you look back on that and say it's it's definitely a headline and it definitely matters. But are we at the show me part of it? You know, show me how bad it is and show me green isn't going to flow out of there. I think that's, you know, kind of where we sit as the market. We had some good positive things that play into, say, the up action here recently. We've had a nice, hey, technically tight bottoming that happened, you know, general flow and momentum. And we're, I wouldn't say at a point of strength yet, but we're definitely getting closer. And so from that aspect, I mean, could we chop sideways for a while? We definitely could. Could we leg a little bit higher? I mean, 574 would be a, a definite target uh, with the 200-day moving average sitting there. But the Black Sea region, I think, what was it, uh, India banned uh, rice exports this morning as well. And it doesn't seem like that's – I mean, it's caught a lot of headlines. I mean, what that does to grain prices, say corn and soybeans – wheat um but you'd think supportive i mean maybe you get a little of the chatter again of a you know food scarcity in the world um but just different different foods right and that's big to the asian countries as far as their white rice consumption so i think that story is probably yet to be told and uh just the never-ending war uh, russia ukraine you kind of wonder at some point is it going to escalate to be a world problem here and what that you know if that were to happen what that does to the markets and i you know you hate to say it but all this is kind of somewhat lined up with the fact that uh, realistically in about what 14 months we're going to be looking at another election here so a lot of interesting things from a global macro perspective that maybe aren't necessarily uh, they do have impact on the markets now, but what I do know is there's going to be heat setting in. It is July, though, too. So what do you see? Is there going to be any implications when it comes from a wheat perspective on the global with everything that's been happening in the Black Sea region? I mean, yeah, we've uh, last few days had some good premium to the wheat market. <clears throat> Does that continue, and can we keep pushing higher? Would obviously uh, push corn along with it. I think you have to respect these markets right now. Uh, respect them to the tune of your profitability, but also respect them to the tune that we have the ability to break one way or another pretty hard. We're at some, you know, not all-time highs, but you're, we spent uh, more time, you know, sub $5 corn uh, than we have above, and we've spent more time, you know, what, sub $8, $7.5 wheat than we have above. But the recent highs, the recency buy ability to go to, say, seven fifty corn is there. And the ability to go to ten, twelve dollar wheat is there too. So it really comes down to, in my mind, managing your profitabilities and managing where you're at. Because to get, say, another push to seven fifty or wheat to ten is going to take some really big world stuff to happen. Um, and it would seem right now where we sit and what we know today with exports kind of lagging. Um, they're penciling a big crop, and you can make your argument whether those acres are true or whether the yield's going to be there. But the reality is. We're going to have more corn on hand, you know, for the 23, 24, 
uh, crop year than we did in the 22-23, no matter how you kind of slice the pie. There are very uh, segmented parts of the corn market that are in a bad spot and are going to have tough crops, but basis solves those problems, not the futures market. You know, PJ, right behind this whole Black Sea region issue that continues to escalate uh, day by day is the weather. And it didn't take much of a backseat, as we know. Uh, a lot of concerns, a lot of things weighing on what we're going to see as we get closer to the month of August. Well, you kind of normal July, right? Usually I feel like it's hot like this uh, mid-July and we're kind of hitting the back half of July. Uh, not that that makes it any easier or better just due to our subsoil moisture conditions. And you look at those maps and it'll tell you, you know, all the corn belt lacks it. And so the question is how long can, how much does it affect yield? And how long does the heat stay, you know, positioned? Is it uh, one week and then we kind of fall back? Or we, you know, obviously as that heat persists, if you get to, you know, the next week in July or the first week in August and that's still there and you get the next week down, and if the rains haven't been decent, that definitely is going to throw a wrench and you're going to speed this crop up, take some yield off. So it's been that uh, kind of story all year. I think you have volatile market with low demand from a world standpoint and you don't, you know, which way are we going to turn? How much do we shave off uh, yield in the meantime? And I'll, I'll you know, said it before, said it a month ago, but supply-driven rallies are usually shorter blips on the screen uh, versus demand-driven rallies are more robust and long-lasting. And so that's why I think no matter what you got to do, rewarding the market around 550 feels a heck of a lot better than what we were staring at two weeks ago at 490. Do we have the ability to go to 620? We sure do. We got gaps in the chart. Can definitely try to push this thing higher. You know, if there was, you know, just the talk of a world food scarcity scare. So that's where I go back to respecting the market and keeping your, you know, marketing plan manageable to the tune of where's your risk lie as a producer, and also what can you do to protect that risk with upside, and how can you be content in the next pullback. That's some really good advice, and the fact that we're going to be moving into pod filling stage. There's just a lot of pressure that's going to be weighing in on these grains over the next couple of weeks. Oh, most definitely. I think that's why the markets have got excited again. You know, A, you got beans excited because we are saying whatever, 83 some million acres of beans planted. So that's a small number going to cause some issues, especially like you said, pod fill and, and everything else going on here in the next 15 to 30 days. And so that got the bean market excited up at 14, north of 14. Stick around, folks. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Here's an update on what's going on at Fontenelle Hybrids. We're combining with the Channel brand and the other nine regional brands to create a new enhanced Channel Seed brand. And we're excited to announce your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer will be carrying select Channel products this fall for the 2024 growing season. That's an expanded product portfolio with the same great service. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer for details. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad. PJ, of course, is with Trados. And let's talk basis. Um, kind of start with the corn and, and, and work our way across the commodities. What are you seeing right now uh, on this basis? And what are some um, things we should be thinking about? You know, I think old crop, if you still got it, you're kind of in that time of year where it's going to be a home run or it's going to be a bust. I think you've seen a lot of the... You'll have some spotty stuff pop up as they try to finish their needs going into new crop. But to say, 
you're going to hit any proverbial home runs. You know, I, just, I don't see it right now. But as we tick the clock kind of ahead and you start looking at harvest basis and what that could be, there's some good numbers out there that historically are, you know, 10 to 25, 30 cents better than what, you know, I would call historical type basis. <clears throat> I don't know if you will um, both feed in at it. I just say that because I do think there's enough problem areas that you can see, you know, kind of the <clears throat> cake batter, whatever you want to call it, balloons in a cake pan, move different places. And so you're going to have that pull in certain areas of the Western Corn Belt that are going to need corn that are going to drive your local basis up. And so I think you need to be cognizant of, you know, right now, you know, if you call it a 10 under or 5 under number, historically very good. Um, maybe you do. But could you see the positive basis again? I do. As we look at, say, post-harvest types, and B, you got to be cognizant of the fact that commercial grain elevators are also dealing with the higher interest rates as well. So a lot of them are going to try to shove a lot in the front end of the year just to negate that cost of carry and then try to buy it back from the farmer. So you got to keep your head kind of in the mindset of what's it actually going to cost me. Can I logistically move it? And usually as a farmer, you can't move it all in one month. But spread that out and, and just keep in mind of what it's actually costing you to store it and maybe not you need to focus on the price but you know really the way we view it it's like you know principles are you know part of your process and process drives your price so whatever your price targets are that's one aspect of it and you have basis being an aspect and within basis you have interest so i think a b and exports need to pick up to really get that uh basis rocking and rolling and they haven't yet but that is not uncommon for this time of year um we'll hopefully see that you know see an uptick august sep time frame and get those rail bids a little bit better and really corn there's room for it to run it's more of a factor of what we have you know what's the cattle demand too and what's these areas that maybe are shorter cropped uh what are they going to do well you talked about export numbers and and really kind of just showing more life maybe as we get towards the month of August and in, into September as harvest starts to take place? Yeah, I mean, usually you see China kind of come to the table at our harvest and fulfill some of their needs. I think we're kind of, well, obviously we're dealing with a bigger South American crop than we have, and that's why you've seen ex our exports be poor. And that's one thing to keep your eye on is, is how do our bean exports perform over the next 60 to 90 days you know, typically when China would step in, you know, kind of between our crop or our crop versus, you know, that South American crop, that first one that will come off later, you know, in the winter time. So it'll be a balancing act. I do think from what I've read and understand too, you gotta think, um, are we in a position, I guess, be more countries gonna be more uh in tune to buying from say America where they know our logistics can handle the demand versus Brazil, where it's a little bit shakier, maybe of their uh, logistics to handle large volume of exports. So that's something to probably keep an eye on. I do think the the world food scare thing is a, a hot or can be a hot topic. Uh, I guess, in my opinion, usually grain and rice and everything will flow to where the money is. So eventually, you get that price to where um, a country needs it. And they're going to pay whatever it takes to get it to. It just hits different back channels to get there. Actual ban on exports. I mean, that's a whole different deal. Does that leave past India? I mean, I don't know. What's China trying to do to replace it? Switching over to the livestock side, we've got lower corn, but we also have lower cattle. That's something we usually don't see a lot going together. 
no, and it seems like uh, in the last whatever months, if corn was up, uh, you saw feeders down and vice versa. It seems like they're more correlated than they have been in the past. But cattle a heck of a run. And I think, again, you, you, the hard part is trying to replace those feeders that are, you know, those fat that makes any kind of sense in the deferred, and that's pretty hard to do right now. I think it's where you're running into some issues when you talk a say a six dollar or five fifty type corn price and you're buying expensive feeders and the fat board is really good but the deferreds aren't maybe showing that profitability does that mean fats have to go higher not necessarily but uh, from a feedlot standpoint it adds a wrinkle to things as you move into this year of do we replace everything or do we wait to see if before we refill our herd all right what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you uh, you can call us at 402-858-7529 or uh, check us out on any social media. Well, thanks so much. PJ Conrad joining us today from Trados. As we always remind you, commodity features and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers. Pick this up as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcast. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.